Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. We love sharing news from our sponsor, Healing Inside Acupuncture and Holistic Medicine on Grand Avenue in St. Paul, Minnesota. Owner Senya May and her team of practitioners are here to help you, especially when it comes to the health concerns that are unique to us women. At Healing Insight, women's health is a huge priority. They're helping women who think they just have to live with things like painful periods, PMS and PMDD, endometriosis and fibroids. Women like Beth, who shared this testimonial, she said, I had such bad cramps that I was suffering with PMS for three weeks out of the month and my moods were all over the place. The practitioners at Healing Insight worked their magic with acupuncture and herbs. I feel like a much better version of myself again. Senya says many of her patients are like Beth who think being on the birth control permanently is the only way to solve their hormonal issues. And Senya says that's just not true. Healing Insight's holistic approach can rebalance your hormones naturally so you're not struggling with your cycle every month. And Healing Insight practitioner Nikki Ballian was also also just officially certified as a fertility specialist by the American Board of Oriental Reproductive Medicine. She's one of only nine practitioners to have this certification in the whole state of Minnesota. Listen to the episodes of Best to the Nest featuring Senya, number 25, simply titled Anxiety, and episode 113, where we talk about coping with the COVID-19 global pandemic. Visit HealingInsightOnline.com. That's HealingInsightOnline.com to find out more about Senya and her team. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Punnett. And this is Best to the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. And we're going to talk about birds today because I do have two baby chicks in my basement right now, Marjorie. So, of course, <laughs> birds are always front of mind for me. But when you think about a flock of birds in the air, there's always one at the front. There's a leader. There has to be a leader in a group situation. And I mean, the leader doesn't always have to be the same. But at the same point, when you're in a group of people or birds or whatever, someone has to run the show in certain situations. So we're talking about leadership today. And Marjorie, this is, I don't think I've ever asked you this question. If you've ever, if you think of yourself as a leader, would you consider yourself a person who is a strong leader who like just hits the ground running and hits the front of the crew? I try to. I like being in that position, actually. I think that's partly why I like being a producer, is I like being, I like sort of forging ahead and clearing the path and making sure that the team is sort of taken care of. I like being in charge of molding what something's going to look like. I mean, when I was little, I, I mean, I think you know this about me, I was very much headed toward politics. And when my husband and I met, one of the things he liked about me is I said I wanted to be president and he very much wanted to be the first man, first lady. (laughs) And so I always thought I was going to go into politics. I thought I was going to go into law school and then I chose a different path. But being afraid of being in charge has it that that doesn't intimidate me. But I've also never been in charge of like Microsoft. So (laughs) it's 
the things I'm in charge of are quite small by comparison, but I do find that I like that position. I don't like being on the sidelines. So I don't know if that always makes me a leader. It always makes me engaged. That's for sure. How about you? Well, I'm the oldest. So I think oh, when God, you're the you're... oldest, you're sort of born bossy, which then <laughs> is not something that I feel like I don't. I think I have to temper the leadership sometimes where I have to be like, okay, guess what? You don't have to boss around everybody because there is a fine line between a bossy person and a leader. <laughs> and and, I, and I often, one I think involves I think, being more of a jerk. <laughs> well, yeah, and I I, off, I I don't think that being bossy makes a good leader. No. At all. I mean, and I think a lot of people mistake mistake ordering people about as being a leader. Yes. When I think being a leader is quite different than that. Isn't that so good? I will tell you my most challenging leadership experience, though, when I was in college, I was in a sorority called Kappa Kappa Gamma. Our colors were blue, and we loved the Fleur de Lis. I did love, I loved being in a sorority. I loved the girls that I met. We had a great time. But um, I was president of that sorority, Marjorie. And I'm telling you, if you can run a meeting with like 85 distracted college women who are just thinking about like getting to happy hour, then you can accomplish anything (laughs) in life because you can run the world. It is not an easy group to lead. And what skills did I learn that that was very helpful. But today we are talking with someone who is an expert in leadership and who shares her knowledge all around the country, all around the world. Her name is Joe Saxton, and I recently met her. She's an author, a speaker, a podcast host, and a leadership coach. So what she does is she grows leadership teams around the world, and particularly when it comes to women, she's helping women find their purpose in their personal lives and also in leadership. And so she's got a new book coming out, Ready to Rise, Own Your Voice, Gather Your Community, Step Into Your Influence, and she's tackling the life, real-life issues that women face that really, I think, prevent us from getting into leadership positions, workplace harassment, sexism, low self-esteem, isn't that a big one, financial woes, power battles, all of these things to help women grow beyond disempowerment and then grow their grit. So I love Joe, and I'm so happy that she is here on the podcast. She also has an online group coaching program, so we'll tell you how you can connect with her um, later on in the podcast as well. But Joe Saxton, welcome to Best to the Nest. Why, thank you. It's good to be with you both. Joe recently took over my Instagram account for a day and nothing made me happier than when she dug up pictures of herself with her flock of chickens when she was growing up in London and she had chickens. And this is my favorite thing about Joe and why I knew that when she posted this, I thought she is a kindred spirit to me that she had all of these chickens and they were so cute and they were all named Joe. It was just an easier. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Which, you know, to me says you have like a, you have an inborn confidence. I mean, you have an inborn confidence about you because no one else would name all of their chickens after themselves. (laughs) It was very strange. Um, But it just seemed, it seemed like the obvious thing to do at the time. It really, it it felt like a befitting name for, for them all. For them all. <laughs> for all of them. For every single one. 
and that. But yeah, I loved them. I loved my Joes. They were great. It's just so good. Okay, so Joe, you you led your little flock then of Joes <laughs> when you were a kid, and then you become a leadership coach as an adult. And so I'm sure that this is a long journey. But kind of give us <laughs> the um, just the highlights of the map from you as little Joe chicken leader to a leadership coach who's really helping women change the world. <laughs> um, I often would say I was the last one to work out I was a leader. Um, <laughs> I, I'm the youngest in my family, and um, we're all a family of very strong personalities. Fabulous. I, my siblings and I get on great, but very strong personalities. And um, so everybody was louder, more, uh, more outgoing, doing more things. But at school, throughout my school, Growing up in England, I was always the one who was given responsibilities. I was always the captain of the teams, the mm-hmm. sports teams, and I was often a better captain than I was a player. You know, <laughs> I wasn't the star on the team, but I was the kind of rock in the team kind oh, of Oh, I love that. I was never the best. Like, I could never shoot for anything. Do you know what I mean? If ever there was a goal to be scored in any <laughs> sport, I failed. <laughs> always failed. But I would always be the one who'd cheer people on and all that kind of thing. Um, if there was a classroom responsibility, it was always me. And I, and I was always afraid of it, to be honest. I was yeah. conflicted about it because I didn't, on one level, internally, I didn't feel good enough. Right. But I was good at it. So, so it took a while for the two to integrate. And then I think uh, after going to college, I, w- I worked for a while in church spaces and faith-based spaces, which either is a really exciting space for women in leadership or a very conflicted space, depending sure. on where, where you go, mm-hmm. and was involved in working with teenagers and, and college students. And again, I think a lot in that, that era where people are becoming where people are working out their identity, becoming who they are. And I was always struck by the fact that the guys were very presumptuous about what they could do and very confident, and the girls were, like, very apologetic about what they were doing. Oh, gosh, Joe, That is so interesting. And um, and, and I... I, I just felt, I felt very, I mean, it was great leading guys, actually. The guys I worked with, it was very normal. And England is different in the sense of we are, I grew up with a female prime minister mm-hmm. and a right. queen and a queen. So it wasn't like it was completely out of the norm. Yeah. However, it still wasn't regular. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> um, and so I think throughout my years, and then uh, when I moved to the States, um, had the, I have two girls, which I think probably ignited things further. For me, and and then working with nonprofits and and different leaders, often seeing a, a similar trait, even the same trait I saw when I was working with teenagers, of the guys being very kind of casual and and I don't want to say entitled necessarily, but I would say confident. I think somewhere entitled, but yeah. I think there was the there was an ease about how they built networks, an ease about how they assumed they could do things, and I'd watch women who were equally talented brilliant with their ideas who would often say the word sorry after sharing their idea mm. or, or do you know what I mean or had negotiated terribly for their pay yeah or, or something like that and I and and realizing although they were all leaders they didn't experience the world differently so the leadership development wasn't always a fit you know it's interesting that you say that about guys certainly of my generation I would say that of the guys that I knew sort of in high school and college they did not suffer from those same insecurities. Mm. There was an ease about, or maybe they just didn't articulate it, but I I feel more like it's what you said, Joe, is that there was just an ease to what they were going to go do. Yeah. Whereas women sort of 
fluttered about it a little bit, like, oh, should I, do I, can I, am I good enough, all of those things. I don't know that the men that I knew at that sort of becoming stage ever had the question, am I good enough? Yeah. Yeah. I think they think sometimes that, of course, they can do it. I remember reading about, uh, gosh, it was somebody who was in a high-up hiring position at a company who was articulating that she couldn't believe that she would she would if a if a position would open up men would come into her office and say well of course i can do this job i can do the job and she'd go no like you don't even have the experience but they would just assume that they could do it and then she would offer the job to a female employee who yeah. was very well qualified, had the experience to do it. And when she would say to the woman, I want you for this position, the woman would say, are you sure? Are you sure I'm the one? I'm not sure if I can do it. So men who are less qualified are saying, of course I can do the position. Women who are overqualified when they're offered are asking, are you sure I can do that? So Joe, I want to know what's the disconnect there. I mean, where is that coming from? I think there are multiple spaces. I'm struck by, I remember talking to a friend of mine who was a transracial adoptee. And she said in the transracial adoptee community, they encourage uh, that family to have someone in their community, in their extended network, who was the same ethnicity as the adoptee. Okay. Because of mirroring. So that that child's identity, they grow up seeing themselves and seeing and never feeling like they're other or weird, but seeing their potential, seeing their purpose. And I and when she told me that, I thought and, and actually she said it. She said, I think a similar things happen with women in leadership. When you don't see yourself all the time, when you don't see someone doing the thing that you dream of, you wonder if it's possible. You, right. Um, if you and she said there aren't enough mirrors. There's not enough mirroring where we look outside. Whether it's a female CEO, whether it's entrepreneurs, whether it's women getting VC funding, whether it whatever space it is, there are particular places where you may see concentrations of women, and other spaces where you don't. And then it's like, well, if if I if I don't see someone doing it, is it because it can't be done? Whereas guys see it mirrored all the time. Yeah. They yep. see themselves in the world around them. And they see it. They see a track, and they see a pathway. I think for women, the pathway is not linear any anyway. Right. So you know, um, yeah. This is, that's such an important thing that you said because, so Joe, my mom was very successful in public relations in the 1970s. So for me, and and she had four daughters. Yeah. So it was what was mirrored for us is. Yes, you can be successful in the workforce. Yes, you can go back to work. It was the 1970s. My mom was one of the few women that was actually working full time. And it felt like a big deal that she worked in downtown Chicago and she, she would fly to New York. And, but that was not like a lot of my friends' mothers. And so she was mirroring for us. Yes, you can go out in the workforce. You can have a family. You can have all those things. So all of that was really normalized for me. What's interesting when you say that, though, what was not normalized was you can run a company. Mm. You can be the CEO. You can be that. That is true. There were not a lot of examples of that for someone of, you know, I'm 56. So for someone of my generation. So that's really interesting of how important that would be for young women to be able to feel like I can lead. That's really interesting. 
I remember having this conversation with my kids. My girls are teenagers now, but when they were small, I've all, they've always had female doctors, partly because I wanted them to see female doctors. Yeah. And we, and we were, when we moved to um, the Twin Cities, <laughs> we went to register at the doctors and we, I asked for a list of names and they gave the name of a male doctor and my, my eldest turned to me and she said, so men can be doctors? <laughs> <laughs> she said, and she said, huh. And she kind of shrugged her shoulders and said, huh, okay. <laughs> And the, and, the, and the lady on the front desk said, that is the most refreshing thing I've heard. <laughs> oh, my God. She said, but thank you so much. Yeah, what a fascinating thing because it, it's so true. But, it's all what you're exposed to. Yeah. But how powerful is that? That's fascinating. That's it, really cool. Actually. You know, and on the other end of the spectrum, what makes me think about an incident that we just had with my son the other day, who's three, and he's Star Wars obsessed. Joe, back to the chickens. Our new chicks are named Ray and Leia after <laughs> characters in Star Wars. That's what's happening at our house. It's really great. <laughs> And my three-year-old son for his birthday received several lightsabers. So it's just lightsaber fighting all over our house. But he said, you know, Ray is the female character. She's like the boss lady in these new Star Wars movies. And she's so awesome. I mean, she's just total badass. She's so awesome. And we love her in our house. And so my son... Was he was fighting with the lightsaber and he said, Mama, I'm Ray. Mama, I'm Ray. And I thought I had like this moment where I just stood there and I was like, You are Ray. That's so awesome. And it was another reminder that what we think about in terms of what genders are capable of is not born. It is learned because nobody is. And and I thought about that with my daughter, that no one would think it was strange for my daughter to say, oh, I'm this or I'm that. But for a little boy to say, I'm like this strong woman, that just doesn't happen. I mean, I grew up in the generation where it's still like, oh, you hit like a girl or you fight like a girl. And so I was just so... It was just a really enlightening moment for me. And I thought, yeah, you are. That's so, it's it's so great. So that shows us that these things are learned. We learn them throughout our life. We learn how to be a great leader. I want to know from you, Joe, what are the qualities that stand out to you when people say like, oh, that's a great leader? I mean, what does that person have that maybe others don't? I think they are, for me, when I, the great leaders I see or the people who I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what an incredible leader, they're listeners. They yeah. listen to people. They are aware or they, they have people around them who cover their blind spots because they recognize they're not going to see everything. Yeah. I think they, I, I think particularly, I mean, I think it's always been true, but particularly in the, the cultural moment we're in, they are, are learners of different, different people's lived experience, whether it's their cultural background, ethnic background, sexual orientation, political affiliation. They are aware and they are engaged. They're not just expecting someone to, f- assimilate to their being they're wanting to bring out the best in others yeah um i think good leaders say sorry i think they do i think i think i think they i think they are honest and and are committed to growth that i think those are because i think if you've got those qualities whatever happens whether it's crisis moments or great moments you can guide people through them but if you are so rigid that there's this way or no other way then it doesn't acknowledge a rapidly changing world around you. Isn't that incredible? And Marjorie, that's what you were just talking about, the difference between being bossy and being a leader. Being right. a leader is not just right. barking out orders. That's just being bossy, which I have been too. Well, <laughs> My sisters well, would tell you. 
What I love about what you said, Joe, is that we can look at that in the workplace, but we can also look at that within a family. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think everything you just described makes a great leader within a family. And I think within a family, there's there should be an ebb and flow to the leadership. Um, mm. I think we've we've left behind. Well, I think some people have left behind behind sort of that patriarchal idea that the man is the head of the household and what he says goes. At least that's not how it works in my house necessarily. <laughs> but and I think every family determines their own leadership style. But what you defined is is something so important for a family, is for a mother and father that listen, that can acknowledge when the environment is changing around them, that take in the whole experience of someone. I think sometimes we don't always do that with our children. If you're not always able to look at who they really are and what their yeah. life experience is and who they need to be. So I think those are important lessons within a family as much as within the outside world. I agree. I agree because we're raising people who are going to make contributions to society in some way. Right. Yeah. Right. And your family is your first, your first experience with an organization, with a group of people and with working together as a team. Hi, Nesters. We take a moment to pause and share some really valuable information from our sponsor, Exercise 180. When you become a member of Annalisha Nimala's Exercise 180 online community, one amazing thing you gain access to is Annalisha's E180 digital course. Christina from St. Paul says this about her experience of going through the course. Annalisha's Exercise 180 course will help you rediscover what matters to you and how you hold the keys to your health, happiness, and destiny. It will help you start living a healthier, happier, more inspired life now. It is so far apart from where typical health programs go. It's like she's light years into the future. Please, please, if you have a daughter, niece, cousin, or anyone in your life, including yourself, who struggles with body positivity and health issues, you cannot do yourself a better service than to go through the Exercise 180 course. It's probably the best thing I did for myself in 10 years or more. I would absolutely recommend the course to others. It's life-changing and life-affirming. It's far exceeded my expectations. It was so much better than I imagined it would be. Boy, how's that for a good review? Right now, you can take advantage of an exclusive E180 coupon code just for best to the nest listeners. Go to exercise180.com forward slash join dash now and use the code BTTN in all caps at checkout to save $100 on your E180 membership. But you got to hurry. This code is only valid through September 7th, 2020. Again, that's exercise180.com slash join dash now. And go back to episodes 92 and 143 of Best to the Nest to get a taste of Annalisha's groundbreaking philosophies on healthy living. So how did, how does that, some of that translate into families and particularly with women showing up to be a leader in their family when for a, a lot of women that probably wasn't modeled for them, that if they were in a traditional heterosexual household growing up, they might have grown yeah. up in that patriarchal situation where yeah. their dad was the leader and their mom just bowed to what he said and whatever, and then they've got to figure out how to navigate life moving forward. Yeah, I, no, I think it's an important thing. I, one of the th ways I like to um, describe leadership is that it's being intentional with your influence. Because mm. I know that there are some of us, I, I think it's John Maxwell who says, le leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And I think so many of us would look and say, oh, well, I don't feel like a leader because we imagine it as Fortune 500 company or something like that. So I think the first thing I would encourage us to think through is where do you have influence? 
where do, do the choices you make, the way that you show up, the the habits you have, the things that you say, how does that impact the people around you? Because that's what leadership essentially is. Oh, that's how that. it essentially functions. And to encourage people to say, to encourage, um, say your home is a place of influence. And then what do you want to see for what kind of, what, what do you want to see happen in that home? Right. What do you want? What do you want to come across the door, and what don't you want to come across the door? Because that, I mean, that's as much as a strategic plan as a business has. Yeah, you know, I'm, what doing. You know, I'm loving that you're saying that because I think sometimes we forget. In my family, I always used, I always talked about our family within our family as Punnett Corp. We're a corporation. <laughs> we move like one. We act like one. Yeah. We have a plan. We have a strategy. And part of that, now that my sons are adults, is seeing mm. what we produced. They are a production of Punnett Corp. I mean, they are they are our product in that sense. And I don't mean to – I'm probably taking the metaphor too far. <laughs> but but something that was important and something that I had always said to the, to, to the kids is to whom much is given, much is expected. Mm. There were things that were fundamentally expected of them as children, as adolescents, and now as, as adults. And they are free to be who they're going to be now because I have – I am not – I am not, they don't live in my house anymore. They get to be the men they're going to be. But what has been fulfilling is to see the things and the goals and the hopes that we had for them as, as human beings out in the world are mm. coming to fruition. And that's very exciting and that's very fulfilling. And I think sometimes as parents, when you're in the busy of it, you forget that yeah. those children are your product <laughs> and what yeah. you what you influence them to do as leaders as parental leaders is going to have repercussions beyond your household in that moment and so i think that's a, that, i love what you said about influence because i don't think until you said that i ever quite thought about it in that way mm. and i think we thought about it differently and it may have come to the same end, but I think that's a really good way for particularly parents of young children and then moving into yeah. adolescence of what is the expectation of your family unit? What is the expectation that that family influence is going to be within your community, on your street, within your school community, and then mm -hmm. for those children within their college community and beyond? Because isn't that the hope? Not that you're raising leaders in the sense that they're going to be president of the United States one day or they're going to run for the mm -hmm. Senate or they're going to be the head of a corporation. But are they going to be leaders within the small groups that they exist in? Are yeah. they going to be good to the people that they're around? All of those things are about influence. So I think that's a really important thing mm -hmm. that you're telling families. Yeah. And how to be – I mean I think the biggest thing that I think about with my kids is I want them to be – people who are comfortable and confident standing up for the right thing. It is just yeah. something that I want inside of them. And so when we talk about, you know, when I look at your list of things that you're helping women overcome and particularly the low self-esteem one stands out to me so much. I, I, I believe that so many problems in this world stem from people with low self-esteem. Yeah. I might yeah. even venture yeah. to say all problems in the world stem from low self-esteem because if you are a person who is confident, it is difficult for you to try to hurt or wreak havoc on other people. Yeah. You might do it unintentionally, but it's d based on imperfect systems, but it's difficult for you to intentionally do that if you're not trying to fill some sort of void. So how do you talk to women about building their own self-esteem when they mm -hmm. might have grown up in a place or an environment, or they might be in a relationship where yeah. that is not what's 
they're, they're not getting that support. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, and I, I love the way that you frame it even because I think actually as we're trying to build those families, it does start with us. It mm-hmm. does start with us as adults, as the, as the adults in the room. Yes. <laughs> you mean we have to act like a grown-up? This is just you know, outrageous. Unfortunately, <laughs> adulting has come to us all now. And I often, I, I like to ask questions because I think, particularly when people feel they can't do something, they often feel that they don't have agency anymore. And so I, I ask questions to help remind people of the agency they have. Um, and to remind themselves that actually you can think for yourself and you do have ideas and you do have a voice and you are important. But but one of the starting questions I often ask is, who were you before anybody told you who you were supposed to be? Oh, oh. Say it again, Joe that? Saxton. Yeah, I, I ask, who were you before anybody told you who you were supposed to be? Yeah. Oh, I love that. And as you can imagine... For women in particular that has it, I mean, it's, it's been a question that men have answered in, in, in profound ways as well. But I think the nuances that women, of women's stories that we often don't hear until the story has happened to them in dramatic ways, right. um, has been a powerful thing. And, and has often, it's kind of like the, the, the pieces of a braid of the threads of what family has said, what first loves have said, what culturally was expected, how they felt about their bodies, how they showed up in all of those places. And it's fashioned someone who sometimes I don't recognize anymore. I mean, honestly, Joe, I could cry just hearing you talk about that. It really, that is like, that's really powerful stuff. Because you realize all those messages yeah. that are coming at you all the time that start to define who you are. Mm-hmm. And they define your decisions. They define what you do. They define how you raise your children. They define all of it. That's why it's such a profound and foundational question. It really is. And, you know, as the mother of young children right now, and, you know, I'm pregnant, so I'm overly emotional, so I cry all the time Mm -hmm. anyway, Joe. That's like, it's like times 100 now. So Marjorie knows this is just, our nesters know what to expect from me, but... I I do feel like, especially, you know, I have a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and another one on the way, that when I get those moments where I remember who I was before children, that's a big deal for me, too, because I think you can kind of look at, okay, what are the messages that you got before someone told you who you were? And then Mm -hmm. what are the messages, who were you before you took on this role as someone's mother? And it can be... It can be difficult to remember that, <laughs> to remember mm. who you were, because mm. it just gets, life gets kind of overwhelming when you're balancing a lot. Absolutely. Oh, it's tiring. <laughs> it is. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, incre- it's exhausting. And it's, and they, it, these tiny people absorb so much of us. You know what I mean? <laughs> Let's be honest. All of my iron. I'm low on iron right now. <laughs> Let's be honest, everybody. They suck the life out of you. They do. <laughs> they really do. I'm they definitely going to have another cavity at the end of this pregnancy. Oh, oh my God. The teeth. I forgot about the teeth. Yes. <laughs> the and the way everything just goes south. Yes. The whole of the ones. Be- oh, and lady. I, and so, and it's a wonderful reality, but it's a complicated one. Yeah. And so, and and when it, when you feel like you're stripped of who you were or what you used to do or the freedom you had, the, the idea that you have influence doesn't feel like doesn't feel real. It feels like no. everything else has influenced you. Yeah. Everything, and you're just like hanging on for dear life, hoping you survive, <laughs> or, or something like that. So I think I, I, part of the reason why I ask those questions is to say that person is still there. Mm-hmm. 
you're still you, but the seasons may have changed and things are different, but but we need to reconnect with you because in your story are the skills that help you on your journey. Because you can't lead other people if you don't know who you are and if exactly. you're not connected with who you are. It's impossible. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But now I'm curious, Joe, how do you answer that question? Who how- were you before... People told you who you were supposed to be. Does anyone ever ask you that, Joe? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes they do. I, when I was a kid, I wanted to be Wonder Woman. And, um, <laughs> I love that. And I think, and, I, and it's funny because I, I, I kind of look back and I, what I loved about it was I like the fact that she was always for the good guys and dealt with injustice. I right. love the fact that no one died. I'm talking about the 70s version on TV. Yes. Um, the best version. Look, thank you. Thank you, Marjorie. <laughs> yes. Yes. Should be part of every person's viewing. That's um, right. I, and and I, it's the signpost. It's like, what were the thing? Why did she appeal so much? Other than the fact there weren't many women heroes on TV. But, um, um, but she appealed because she was looking out for people because she was exciting and, and all of these. I, I was always someone who was creative. I was always someone who wanted to change things and to make the world a better place. Even when I was little, I always wanted to make things better. I was always that person, but I think life interrupts. Yeah. Pain happens real quick. And, yeah. I, and I, I, I also think we are always, we're still becoming. Oh, I think those were just the seeds right. Of, right. of the story. So, and so by the time I had my, my girls, there was a, there were other things that were part of my journey as well. But I, I think I always was someone who was interested in leading others in some way. So Love when that. you think about women leaders versus men leaders, and they yeah. don't have to be at odds with each other, certainly, mm-hmm. but I mean, what do you feel like the world misses out on when we don't have female leaders that are just within all realms of life and yeah. and then what do they uniquely bring to the table when they are in those positions I think because of the way our world is structured I think they bring a 360 view that is not often seen mm-hmm. um I was talking to um one of a friend of mine who runs a development agency working with emerging economies and he said that whenever they they had an, in, a deliberate intentional strategy with the women because you knew that if you imp- invested in the woman it would also impact health, education, all of these things, because they were engaged in all of those things. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think policies would be different, to be honest. I think there would be public po- policy would be different because I think that women experience the world in different ways. Just because you're encountering it, your lived ex- you bring your lived experience to the table when you lead. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm... I know I hear, I hear conversations sometimes that say women are more collaborative, and I... And, and, I am, I agree and disagree because I don't know that we're as binary, do you know what I mean? I, uh, as that. Yeah. Um, but I, but I think it is there, there is a sense in which when I think I was, I tell you what really hit me on this one was as the Me Too movement kind of reached that kind of scale in the past couple of years, like we know Tarana Burke began it years ago, but when it kind of hit the public consciousness, mm-hmm. I remember thinking, my gosh. What did we miss out from not hearing women's stories? From yeah. women not talking to one another? To not know, do you know what I mean? All the things mm-hmm. that because the, the stories weren't told. And so I think you just have a, you have a fuller story. You have a fuller story of humanity. There's a, I think, a, a proverb which says women make up half the sky. So when you have, when you don't have half the sky, you'll only have half the benefits. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, it's, that's so true. What I think is interesting about this discussion and what we miss when we don't have women in positions of power, I think, too, though, we – I think there's a 
I think there's a danger of that pendulum, and this might be an unpopular thing I'm about to say, of going too far with that in the sense that it goes back to what you said, Joe, is you don't want half the sky. And I think what we have to focus on is not only raising daughters that feel they are fully capable of being leaders, but also not underestimating that the the room needs to have the full sky. <laughs> we need to have, we still need to raise men to be leaders. We still need to pay attention to our sons. We need to pay attention that we raise good human beings. Because I think, I think I have worked for, I've worked for men and I have worked for women. And I have had amazing female bosses. Mm. I have had amazing male bosses. And it's the human qualities in them that made them amazing. And I have had some horrific bosses from both genders. Mm. So I just sometimes I, I worry that when we just say, oh, she's a woman, she brings this to the table, not necessarily always. And I think sometimes the focus really needs to be when we talk about leadership, especially as mothers, that we look at both of our both of our children. You know, if we have a, a son and a daughter and we really look at them, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I just I worry sometimes that we we lose we lose something, too, when we lose the beauty of 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 what men can bring to the table too. And I don't know that I'm not saying that you're saying that Joe at all. I just am stressing. But I have to imagine Joe that Marjorie's not the only woman who you've talked to about leadership who's articulated that. What I mean, oh, no, what's the response no. to that in terms of how do you kind of wrap your head around that? I mean, I think in an ideal world for sh- I mean, I think it's true. I, I think it's true. I, I but I don't think it's the reality of what we see in the data. I don't think it's the reality of what we see in women's pay. I don't think it's the reality in terms of, I think we are so far, I think, I think, yes, with every generation, we want to be, we, we, like you say, we want to be raising good humans. We want, we want, we want to raise men who see, who see leadership potential in men and women. Mm -hmm. We want to see um, women who see leadership potential in men, in men and women. We want to see them with social skills and qualities and, and, and we want them to have environments and access to things that make them thrive. But we are so far from that pendulum swinging. Mm-hmm. I think that, that's the other. So th- I think there is a, th- there's a twofold work, a twofold work in the sense of as we're raising each generation that, like Marjorie says, we are bringing out their best and their best qualities and all of those things. But I think there is some equity issues that are realistic and that are systemic that we have to attend to. And it may be that it may mean that vo- it, it doesn't surprise me when when women's voices are loud for a while because mm-hmm. they've been ignored for a longer while yeah and because the systems and structures around them have 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 put such a squeeze that people with people who are good people still didn't dismantle them right. so i i think it, i but i do feel there's a multidisciplinary approach to it i don't i don't think it's a it's been that way so now let's make it that way it's like oh no 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 we need something far fuller than that. Right. Um, I think the other thing I found, though, which has been really interesting is because I talked to some male leaders about this because they're like, you know, we're really pro-women leaders and all that kind of stuff. We're finding it really challenging. And I said, the problem is it didn't begin with you. Mm-hmm. So no, if only we all showed up in life with, with a clear slate of, of no experiences. Do you know right. what I mean? If, if, but that's not often the case. And so some of the what I found with some women leaders is that they don't even deliberately intend to self-edit themselves in that guy's presence. Yeah, they didn't intend to, but it's a it's a it's a kind of reflex now. And so oh. they pulled away to be with other women to kind of build themselves up a bit. Oh, 
Now that's yeah. really interesting. And to and to feel safe, feel like a safe space, and it's actually not even that personal to the people who they're currently working with. So it doesn't have it. Yeah, it's not even anything to do with necessarily that person. That's that man who's in the room doing anything directly to to show women that they don't belong. It's women being just trained by the system for so long from the time that they're little that there is a difference that then you you kind of self-sabotage that or pull away because you, again, that's where you're going into the internalized, like the low self-esteem or the things that women face that have internalized since the beginning. Totally. And if you're feeling like the structures don't help you, in, in terms of, like, I remember I had, had a friend talked about networking. She said, you know, I want to network, uh, and, and I want to network with the guys. She worked on Wall Street, but she says, what happens when the networking's in a strip club? Yeah. Now what do I do? Yeah. She said, I don't want to be there. Right. Yeah. And I get that they're there, and I get that business things are happening, but I don't want to be there. Mm-hmm. And right. so she goes, that's what I've had to professionally navigate in my career. In my oh, career. my God. That is so far out of the realm of something I can comprehend. And, and so it, agree, it's... When you say to me, and I think that's really interesting, and I think that's really important, is when you say the data, it's the data that's important. And I, I, I appreciate that, and I take that on in the sense that we're still fighting for equity. And that whole other idea of self-editing, I'm sort of running th- – I'm sort of distracted because I'm running through my own career and looking at the places where I took a different path. Why did I take that? And suddenly you're sort of looking back and seeing – what would I have done differently? Was I was I yeah. was I not feeling confident? Did is that why I took this path? Is that why yeah. I did that? And that's a, such a huge issue in terms of again going back to yeah. what you've been talking about is how you instill those things in women to make sure that they are aware of what they might be doing, which is self sabotage, which may yeah. sort of circumvent their chances or, or may prevent their chances of, of sitting, of being the leader of that company or of that group or whatever. That's really interesting. I remember having a really, I've had a, a, some really great, like you, some really great male bosses and one of them talking to me and I said, and, and saying, you know, why don't you? And I said, one, because when I walk in, when you walk in the room and I walk in the room, we, we walk in as different people. Mm-hmm. And, and I appreciate that you're courage, encouraging me, but I, I, I show up as a woman, I show up as a black woman. So you getting angry and me getting angry has different cultural tropes, whether we think that's fair or not. Right. Whether we, whether we think that's right or not. And I know I'm safe in this space here where I'm known, but if I'm going into spaces unknown, I want to wait and see if it's okay first. Yeah. Because my pay count. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yep. bills. Because of, and I think that's what, that's what people are dealing with from time to time. Yep. Yeah. Um, just, you just want, you're wanting to navigate away for the long haul. And so sometimes that you chip parts of you away in the process. Well, and the nice factor is, is such a big thing, which of course has that idea of being nice, which seems to be so expected of women and then has even more complicated consequences when you look at black women and women of color, particularly black women in our culture. And when you understand that pressure of being nice, I don't think my husband has ever felt pressure to be nice in any sort of situation in his entire life. He's also a former hockey player who definitely like punched people and knocked out teeth. I mean, right. that's yeah, nice that's, didn't work on the nice on the didn't work. But there are a couple of things that that you think about that I I think about as fundamental differences between me and him, which is he has never felt pressure to be nice. I feel an 
unequal pressure to be nice on television every single day that I know my co-host does not feel. That if I say something versus he says something, I will get emails, Elizabeth, that's not nice. Or Elizabeth, you shouldn't have had that opinion. You're sharing too many opinions where he could say the exact same thing and he will not get that email. And I'm telling you, like... And then you add in, if if I was a woman of color, how that would be even more, just like times a thousand, and I acknowledge that, that it is a really, it's a difficult thing. And the trouble, Joe, is that a lot of the messages that I get are from other women. It's the other women who are telling me to shut the hell up. And I'm like, like what are you doing? Did you see years ago that episode of Dancing with the Stars when Simone Biles was one yes. of the contestants? Yeah, and she's they, the best. And, and that whole thing, where, and she was amazing. And then and some of the, the judges, the women said, oh, but it'd be lovely if you smiled more. <laughs> and and Tom Bergeron turned to her and she said, what do you think? And she said, smiling doesn't win gold medals. Whoa, good for yeah. her. And I thought, this woman is the greatest gymnast of all time, likely. She is. And you're asking her to smile more? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, what are we doing here? Which is we're always all being asked to just shut up and smile more. I mean, that is just the constant yeah. message that we get as women constantly. And do it's- we think, do we, and I don't have the data for this. Do you think that's across the, I mean, I think your experience, Elizabeth, having done on air as well, I, I get what where you're coming from. Do we think that Elizabeth is her experience mm-hmm. translates into the corporate world as well? A sort of shut up and smile. I think so. Yeah, I would say I've heard of women being described as getting too emotional, yeah. too passionate. It may be coded slightly differently, but sometimes similar language, like not it, what's been assertive and dynamic for a, for a guy has been the language has been kind of cold. In fact, there was that article in Lean In, and no, it was in Lean In, the, um, the book Lean In, there's that study where a resume was given to the students saying all that was changed was the name. All that was changed was the name. Same skills, same accomplishments, and they asked the students, what do you, I think Harold and Harriet. Harold was kind of dynamic, go-getter. Yes, this is great. He'd be great in the workplace. Harriet was cold. <laughs> Wouldn't want to work for her. I mean, it wow. was very telling. It was very telling. So, Joe, you work with people all the time on this. What do you find is the most effective way, if women are listening right now to Best to the Nest and they're going, okay, I I want to be a better leader. Is it one-on-one coaching with you? Is it getting together with an organization? Is it, I mean, obviously reading your books are are super important, but how can people get more of you? How can they get more of you? without you having to commit to moving in with them because that would cross over too many boundaries and, and you have children to raise and a husband to handle. So <laughs> that is so funny. I yeah, I have a coaching platform, a digital coaching platform and I'm, my website is joesaxon.com and and that'll inter- I I'll tell you about my podcast, a podcast called Lead Stories which is on leadership. It'll show you what books I've written. I'm always on Instagram because that's where we live these days. <laughs> <laughs> and but and I, I like coaching in community. I do occasionally do one on one. I actually I do do one on ones. But I like community because we all have so much to give to each other. Yeah. I we we have so much. I'm the child of immigrants, and the way our family raised us was as a family of Nigerian immigrants, learning from each other, and you kind of grew together. And I found that there's there's something when you are raising, leading, growing with people. And so I like to do it in community because there are skills I don't have that someone in that community will have. 
So, um, yes, you're welcome to join me in any of those spaces. <laughs> and there's mailing lists, and I do leadership newsletters, just because I want people to have access to, to rebuild their leadership skills or to unlock them and to get on with it. Because the truth is, these women are leading already. Yeah, They're al- You're already doing it. I just want to come alongside you and cheer you on. Oh, gosh, Joe, you're so great. That is really fantastic. We can tell why you were, even though you couldn't make a ball into any sort of basket, you were a key part of the team. (laughs) 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 And we're just so happy that we got to spend some time with you. It's just been really an honor to get to know you. And you have to promise that you'll come back and talk to us about more things, because I know that this conversation already went 10 minutes over time, and we could have gone two hours over time. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. It was lovely. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. It's just been it's been absolutely wonderful. I love of thinking her, thinking of her as the rock in the middle of any team. And I think that's a great way for all of us to think of or try to think of ourselves and to become that. It's wonderful. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. And so today we have oh, a review from Bluefish Wellness. I've got it right here, Marjorie. Here's what Bluefish Wellness says, which I like your name on there. You make me feel normal. (laughs) We're so glad. I can't quit listening. Having the familiar voices of Elizabeth and Marjorie was just the beginning of wonderful in this completely fabulous podcast. They both gently and gracefully show their human side when it comes to being a mother, spouse, employee, and person. This beautiful experience has me laughing in my car, writing tips on scrap papers, and feeling like a normal person. Thank you for sharing your experiences. It validates the things I I am also experiencing. I love the guests you are choosing and the topics you are addressing. Please keep producing these podcasts. You know what? To that, Marjorie, we say we will. We will. Thank you so much. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of Nest or go to bestofnest.com to subscribe to our newsletter. And we are the podcast that brings you home. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.